What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, Steven Martinez. We are back officially on a Thursday, January 9th, 2020. We are finally back. Yes, you probably may have noticed, though not really, but in case you did notice, we were off last week. We did not have an episode of the Crowd Noise Podcast for the first time uh, since its inception. It was the first time we did not have a Crowd Noise for the week. I am here to explain myself, but first I want to say I hope you had a very happy New Year's Eve party. I wish you good luck in the new year, and uh, yeah, all the, all the best to you. Moving forward, it is a brand new year. It is a brand new decade. This is the first episode of said decade, and I got to tell you, I'm so excited. I'm just so happy to be back here, uh, back recording again, talking about fun stuff in the wide world of sports. Um, I'm so excited because we missed last week. And why did we miss last week? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, Nothing serious, really. I I got sick a little bit under the weather, uh, ending the holiday season, I guess you could say. I got sick, I want to say like on New Year's Eve. It was either New Year's Eve or New Year's Eve Eve. Around that time, I was okay for Christmas. And you know that I did an episode on the 26th for sure. And I'm looking at my calendar. It had to be that Monday. Like that, um, yeah, that Monday, the 30th is when I got sick. Didn't get better uh, the 31st. So I was sick for New Year's, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, I wasn't going to any parties anyway. So it was just kind of, you know. It's a little bit of a bummer, but I wasn't going to be anywhere anyway, so that's not too bad. I felt okay on Thursday. I felt I had improved on thir- starting on Thursday. I started to get a little bit back to closer to uh, my natural form, I guess you could say, but still was not a hundred percent. I didn't feel comfortable uh, doing the show, and I just didn't. Uh, it was, and especially I, I didn't just have a cold. I had a sore throat. And that was it. I had no congestion, really, or at all. I had I had zero congestion. It was just a sore throat. It was one of the strangest colds I've ever, I've ever had. And I thought it probably was not the best idea to record me talking for an hour on end straight. Uh, you know, I love you guys. I love each and every one of you listeners. I love the Crowd Noise podcast, but I don't love any of you enough to get pneumonia for any of you. So I thought, you know... It's unfortunate. Uh, I called a good friend of the show, Ben Babadook, see if he could fill in for me because I didn't want to break the streak. We had a streak of over a year straight worth of episodes going. I didn't want to break that. Uh, and then he got sick as well, so there was a bug flo- floating around. Um, so, yeah, so that's why we didn't have an episode last week, January the 2nd. I am fine. There was nothing ser- nothing serious at all. It's just a common sore throat, cold. Um, and I got better around... What's today? Thursday? Probably like that Saturday. Like it wasn't very long after the Thursday where I got kind of back to 100%, which is disappointing because if it only had been just a few days before that, we could have, an epi- we could have had an episode, um, but we didn't. It's no big deal. We are back this week. First episode of 2020. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I've been so excited because I did miss last week. I was kind of bummed out. And then last week we had, I mean, crazy stuff going on. We had the playoffs starting last Saturday was really, really looking forward to making or giving out my crowd noise NFL playoff bracket. And it was somewhat of a blessing in disguise that I got sick because my bracket was, I mean, hellaciously bad. It was one of the worst things I've ever done. So it might have been a good thing that we didn't have an episode last week. Uh, So we're here this week and we're going to talk about the playoffs from this point forward. I'm not going to give you my full bracket 
because it was awful. It was just the worst. So we're going to give you our bracket from here forward, and we're, we're going to call it like it is. So uh, here we go. We had the national championship uh, as well. I did watch the Rose Bowl while I was very sick, um, and I was, you know, bedridden. I, I, didn't, I didn't leave my room for the whole week. Um, I did watch the Rose Bowl on, on, uh, on the ESPN app. Fantastic game. The Rose Bowl never disappoints. And that game was phenomenal. Congratulations to the Oregon Ducks. Uh, the Pac-12, I guess, because they, they get a, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl win for the conference. This is a great game. And also, you know, congrats go out, goes out to Wisconsin. They had a phenomenal year. They were right there till the very end of the Rose Bowl. That game was competitive. It was fun. It was exciting. The backdrop was was perfect. It was it was uh, you know something out of a movie. The, the sky was a perfect Pasadena sunset. It was just great. It was phenomenal. So other than being sick, New Year's was not the worst because I did get to enjoy the Rose Bowl. So there is that at the very least. So moving on, fast forwarding to right now. Uh, we have we're gonna do first the playoff games in the NFL because we have the national championship obviously and we are going to pick that. Um, but that's just one game. In the NFL, we do have four games over the course of Saturday Saturday and Sunday. So I figure why not get to that first. And then always, whereas most of the time, we will close the show with a quote of the week. This one's kind of a faux quote of the week. It's a quote that was not actually quoted. And you'll see what I'm talking about at the end of the show. So you have that to look forward to. It's pretty interesting um, stuff we got going on here. So yeah, here we go. Uh, starting this Saturday, we have the, what is it, the divisional round, yes, of the NFL playoffs, yeah, the divisional round. Uh, last week, the wild card round was nuts. I think only, no, not only one, I don't know how many, maybe one team with home field advantage won last week. The higher seeds, I think it was Houston too, I think they were the only team with a home field advantage that won in the playoffs last week. A lot of upsets, a lot of crazy stuff. The Patriots are out they're done. They lost in the first round, can you believe it, to the Titans. And the Titans are a very, very good team. They're well-coached. Mike Vrabel, obviously a former Patriot himself. I don't know if, I, I don't know if anyone truly believed that, that the Titans were going to beat New England in Foxborough. I mean, that, that's just nuts. And then now the wheels start turning and the conversations uh, start to happen. Is this Tom Brady's last stand? Will he come back? I think he's going to be a Patriot. We've had this conversation now, you know, is Tom Brady done? Are the Patriots done? Is Tom Brady leaving? We've had this conversation in different, and we've spun it different ways. Like, like I said, is Tom Brady finished as a player? Are the Patriots done as a franchise? Is Tom Brady just done as a Patriot specifically? We've spun it different ways, and we've been having this conversation for, we're in 2020 now, Probably for about eight years. We've probably been having these conversations since like 2012. So I'm not buying into it. And I have to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. I do not think Tom Brady will leave the New England Patriots. I I don't. I just don't see it happening. He wants to stay in New England, it seems like. So so, um, based off of what he said so far, Robert Kraft wants him to stay uh, based off of what he has said so far, maybe Bill Belichick is the only one who wants to see Tom Brady leave the Patriots. And based off what we've seen in the past, Bill Belichick does not have the power to override 
uh, Robert Kraft. We've seen that in the form of Jacoby Brissett getting shipped off. We've also seen that in the form of Jimmy Garoppolo being sent off. Bill Belichick has wanted to get, move off from Tom Brady for a while now and has not gotten his wish granted. I don't think it's going to happen this time. I believe Tom Brady will stick with the New England Patriots. Now, on to the games this Saturday. I had to address that, and I know that's kind of a little uh, small segment there for you. But I had to address that because I've missed a lot. You know, over the course of an entire week, you miss a whole lot in, in the world of sports. So I had to get to that at least, you know, in a limited fashion. Had to address that. Had to give my spin on it. Before it gets stale, and it's already stale, I'm sick of hearing about it. Is Tom Brady leaving? Is this the last stand? I'm so tired of it. So I wanted to get my take on uh, in there as quick as I possibly could, because I'm, I'm done. That's the last time you're going to hear me talk about it. I, I'm sick of it, because we have been having this conversation for like 10, 8 to 10 years now, and so I'm fed up. On to the games. Uh, we are going to start our bracket from this point forward, as I said earlier in the show. Um, our week, let me see, our week 17 picks, that's right, those are the last picks that we have made, because again, remember, we didn't make picks last week, weren't here. Uh, so I, I'm going to give you those right now. We did go one and two in week 17. We had the Raiders over the Broncos. It seems like such a long time ago, these games. <laughs> the week 17, it seems like two months ago, and it was only two or three weeks ago. Uh, Raiders lost to the Broncos. We did have the Eagles over the Giants. They did win the East and then losing uh, to Seattle, though they played phenomenal for what they had. They lose Carson Wentz, and that they still had a chance to tie that game, if not win it. Um, you know, I really like the fight and the grit from the Philadelphia Eagles. That was, you know, a lot of pride in that game. And I earned earned a lot of respect for that entire team. And then we had the 49ers losing to Seattle Week 17, and they actually dominated uh, the Seahawks to claim the NFC West and both the number one seed in the NFC. So now we will see them play uh, this week. On Saturday, they will play. uh, Oh, that brings our record to on the season through 17 weeks, we are 27 and 24. We do finish with a winning record on the season. How about it? Not the greatest record in the world, obviously. 27-24. We're not dominating. But a winning record is a winning record. I will take that nine times out of ten. Winning record gets you in the playoffs in the NFC East. Nine and seven, you get a home field, uh, you get a first round game at home. So how about that? We'll take a winning record. And we are going to add our postseason picks to our record on the season we will not be counting the wild card round because it wasn't documented who knows what i could have picked they were all wrong except for seattle but uh, the world may never know so we're going to move on from this point vikings and 49ers the vikings uh very impressive i don't know about impressive but very shocking they upset new orleans uh in new orleans they upset the saints in new orleans right out of the gate six over three and I just have to say the Saints I think are the the most cursed franchise in the game of football I mean I just felt so sick watching that game and I like the Vikings if you guys have been paying attention which you probably have uh, or have not over the course of the season I like Kirk Cousins I don't think he's a superstar of course but I think he is Good enough to lead that team. And the Vikings are a very good team. Yes, they are the sixth seed in the NFC. But the NFC is loaded. I mean, they, the NFC is just is murderous row. So even though they're the sixth-seeded team, they may be 
the third or fourth best team in the NFC. And even that doesn't sound very impressive, but when you look at the teams in the NFC, San Francisco, Seattle, even New Orleans, who just lost uh, Green Bay, Minnesota's a very good football team. I did not expect them to go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. I thought in my preseason rankings, my preseason playoff prediction, I had the Saints in the Super Bowl, and I thought they were going to win it. I thought this was the, the, this was the time. Third time was the charm for the Saints. And it's actually quite the opposite. They are the most cursed franchise. I mean, they're, they're cursed. There's no other way for me to put it than cursed. From what I've seen over three straight years, I mean, because they haven't just lost. They've lost on the very last play of three straight seasons. And they're all heartbreaking, gut-punching. I mean, just the worst imaginable ways you can lose. I think the Saints are cursed. And even last year, the games, the past two years, games that they should have won. Last year was a pass interference. That was probably the tip of the spear, you know, in terms of bad luck. And then this year, you have Kyle Rudolph. And it was a game that they weren't really hosed. Like, they didn't, it was nowhere near as blatant as last season. But there's another missed call. Kyle Rudolph clearly pushes off. And I like Kyle Rudolph, and I like the Vikings. But that was offensive pass interference. And even if you throw that flag, it doesn't kill the game. That does not end the game. It's not a win or lose scenario. It's just we probably replay the down or Minnesota kicks a field goal and then Drew Brees gets an opportunity to score and win the game. By not throwing that flag, the game is over. It's, It's over. And they didn't even review it, which I thought was just hellaciously arrogant, which was actually kind of on brand for the NFL. The NFL last year... I think Roger Goodell went two whole weeks before even addressing the pass and interference uh, uh, against New Orleans or lack thereof uh, last year or against Los Angeles, I guess I should say. They didn't even review the offensive pass interference this year. It was not as bad as last year. I will admit that, but it's clearly, I mean, the arms extended. That's the definition of offensive pass interference. So they should have had an opportunity to win that game. That's all I'm going to say. But... The Vikings took care of business. They were able to keep it close, send it into overtime, and they were they did drive down the field in that overtime in a hurry. And then we're getting stopped uh, on the goal line, and they give it to Kyle Rudolph, and the rest is history. So they do see the San Francisco 49ers this Saturday. That is the first game of the weekend. Again, I like the, the Minnesota Vikings. If you've been listening to the show over the course of the season, I'm pretty kind to the Vikings and maybe I shouldn't be but I'm pretty soft in the Vikings and I'm pretty harsh on the 49ers for whatever reason I have consistently picked against Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers that's a mistake I will not make uh this time around in the postseason this is his chance this is the opportunity for me to fully buy into Jimmy G I have not done it all season long but if he gets a playoff win even at home against a very good Vikings team who at this point really have nothing to lose. They're buying into that underdog mentality. You know, every, all the, the fans, the people, they love these underdogs, the, the come from behind stories. The Vikings have nothing to lose. The 49ers have everything to lose. If he can get a win at home against the Vikings who are a very good football team, as I've said, even though they're the sixth seed, I think they're much better than that. Uh, I will start to have a little bit more faith in Jimmy G. And I just think this defense is going to be a little bit too much for the Vikings. Yes, I like Kirk Cousins. He's not a superstar, but I like him. 
I think this is going to be just a little bit too much uh, for Kirk and the rest of that offense. You know, the Vikings, I mean, excuse me, the 49ers defense is they're for real. That part I have, I have no reservations about. The 49ers defense is legit. I think that will be the biggest factor in the game. And even still, I list, as I'm listening to myself now, I'm picking the 49ers to win and not giving Jimmy G any credit. I still, I, for whatever reason, I just cannot. I don't, it's not even like I don't like the guy. I'm sure, he's, I'm sure he's a solid dude. I just, I don't know why I can't buy into it. Perhaps this week will be the time for me to really go all in on Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll take the 49ers at home against the Vikings. Second game on Saturday, we have the Titans and the Ravens. Another Cinderella story for me uh, coming to coming to an end. And again, I, I feel so bad picking against the Vikings and the Titans because those are two teams that I like. I do like both of these teams. I love the way they've turned it around uh, as Tennessee since turning to Ryan Tannehill. They start off, was it 1-3 or 1-4? And, and then they, they, they bench Mariota. They bring in Ryan Tannehill. Excuse me, Ryan Tannehill. I might be getting sick again. They bring in Ryan Tannehill, and he turns the franchise around overnight. And they're in the playoffs. They beat New England in Foxborough. Derrick Henry, I mean, he looks like Earl Campbell. I mean, Derrick Henry cannot be stopped. Neither can Lamar Jackson. He is a superstar. This is his season. I think he's good enough for at least a playoff win. I mean, come on. How could you pick against Lamar Jackson at home in the first game, and yes, they've had a, they had a week one bye. Um, how can you pick against him in the in the first game after the season he's having? They're at least going to the the AFC Championship game, and I think at this point, probably going to the Super Bowl. I don't see another team that can match up with Baltimore. Maybe Kansas City because they can stretch the field, um, but Baltimore does it on both sides. They are the most complete team in the game. Certainly left. They are certainly the most complete team left in the playoffs. I think they'll be good enough to stop the Titans. And they're going to have to score Will the Tennessee Titans. Derrick Henry, it's not going to be able, you're not going to be able to soil the game away with Derrick Henry. Obviously, he's going to be a huge part of their offense. I mean, he has been for, since, since he's come into the league, he has been the focal point of that offense. But with as many points as the Ravens and Lamar Jackson scores, they're going to need to, they're going to have to throw the ball, excuse me, and I don't know, Ryan Tannehill has been great, or he's been good. I don't know if he can be great in the playoffs, especially on the road. I will take the Ravens uh, on Saturday. I'm kind of getting nervous because I'm, go- I'm realizing I'm going all chalk with my picks again, which is uh, not the route that these current playoffs have been taking. Then we have on Sunday, the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Texans are a team that I don't like. Okay, I've li- The first two games, I like all four teams, 49ers, Seahawks, I love, or excuse me, 49ers, Vikings, Titans, Ravens. I love all four of those teams. I There's a player on each of those teams that I like. I like the way they operate. I do not like the Houston Texans whatsoever. I love Deshaun Watson. Do not get me wrong. Deshaun Watson is a superstar. One of my favorite players in the game. The Texans as a whole, I do not like them. Their te- and that was uh, evidenced against the Bills. They should have lost that game. The only reason they won that game... Was be, well because Deshaun Watson number one, so two reasons. Deshaun Watson number one because he is a superstar, and number two because it was at home. There's no way, and I believe the Bills had a better record than the Texans um, uh, on the regular season. If the seeding was correct, if it was just in rewarding teams with better records, that game should have been played in Buffalo. And actually, let me check that really quick. Uh, 
whatever the case, and I'm looking at it right now. No, actually, they did have a worse record. Or did they? No, I'm looking on Google, and it says 10-7, and seven, and the Texans were 11-6. and six. But I think they're taking into account the, um, the playoff game as well. Because, yeah, you don't play 17 games. So they had the same record. They did have the same record. So in that, in, in that case, the Texans do deserve to have home field advantage because they were the division champs. The Bills were not. So in that case, uh, that argument is no. But they go down 16-0. That game should have been, been over. And then at halftime, they turned things around. And it really wasn't even a halftime swing. It was like two drives back-to-back where the Bills just melted down. I mean, they, it was a complete and utter meltdown. And you could see it that, I mean, the most ridicu- ridiculous lateral from Josh Allen, maybe in football history, he just throws it to exactly nobody. And they had like a minute and a half left on the clock. And he laterals it like it's the last play of the game to no one. And I don't even remember who picked it up, but a Bills player did recover it. Or I think they kicked it out of bounds. Because they didn't even have an opportunity to pick it up and advance it, let alone land on it. And the Bills melted down and, you know, the Texans took care of business in overtime. All they needed to do was, was put together one drive in overtime and they did that. But the team constructed around Deshaun Watson, I cannot stand. The offensive line, yes, they have, they've improved it and it's still awful. They've improved the offensive line and it's still bad. It's still not great. Deshaun Watson running for his life. Every single play. They have next to zero running game. Deshaun Watson is this entire football team. And yes, they have DeAndre Hopkins. And that's about it. Doesn't really have, you know, a gang of weapons around him. And DeAndre DeAndre Hopkins is a superstar. But one man does not a receiving core make. I mean, there's nothing around him. He has no running game. The defense is not what it was, you know, in, in, J, in the early parts of J.J. Watt's career, remember when they had Vince Wilfork and they had Tyron Matthew for a while? All oh, those guys left. They don't have Jadamian Clowney anymore. Uh, I do not like the Texans one bit. I think the Chiefs are just going to... I honestly think this is going to be a blowout. I really think the Chiefs are going to roll over the Texans at home. I think it's going to be a, a disaster. Deshaun Watson can only do so much. I, I, I wish he was on a franchise that that provided him with a little bit more help because he he doesn't need much he he's in that russell wilson class you know where he doesn't need an entire or like a Kirk cousins class where he needs everything he just needs like a little bit of help and he doesn't even have that like Kirk cousins has everything at his disposal he has dalvin cook uh stefan diggs adam Thielen. he's got a great defense he has everything he could want Kirk cousins does and then you look at guys like deshaun watson and he's got exactly zero. And even Russell Wilson, they don't have a superstar running back or a, a primetime number one receiver. They have DK Metcalf. He's good. Tyler Lockett, I like. They're not superstars. Okay. And they had to bring back Marshawn Lynch for crying out loud, who I love, but this isn't Marshawn Lynch, you know, Buffalo Vert. Like this isn't the, these, maybe a little bit past his prime, shall we say, with all due respect to Marshawn Lynch. And yet he has enough, Russell Wilson does, to be a superstar. He has enough because Tyler Lockett is good. Uh, DK Metcalf looks like he's going to be a star in the making, has a great coach. He has enough. The Seahawks have given Russell Wilson enough because he's that great. He doesn't need, uh, he doesn't need a ton. Deshaun Watson is very similar to that in the sense that he doesn't need a lot, 
But right now, he has nothing. I like the Chiefs uh, at home against the Texans. And then finally, we have, what's the last game on Sunday? The Seahawks that we aforementioned, Russell Wilson against the Packers on the road in Lambeau Field. I love Russell Wilson so much. I just gassed him up this entire... This, this was supposed to be about the Texans and the Chiefs, and I was talking about Russell Wilson half the time. I like the Seahawks. I actually think they're going to upset Green Bay. I, I feel like Seattle is the better team, and I think people are favoring Green Bay because they're, they're falling victim to the seeding. And yes, Green Bay has been phenomenal. They're 13-3. I mean, how could you have any doubts about a team that there's no fluke in being 13-3? and and that doesn't happen on accident. But the Seahawks play, uh, you know, they play in a hellacious division themselves. They have, obviously, San Francisco. The Rams are no pushover. Yes, they were not what they were last year. But, I mean, I think they finished 9-7 and seven or 10-6. and six. And the Cardinals are a very good team. They are very respectable. Kyler Murray had a very, very convincing rookie campaign. He, uh, the Cardinals are going to be very good. Okay, in the future. They're not there yet, but right now they're no pushover. In the north, you have, yes, the Vikings are very good. Um, but then after that, you have like the Bears and the Lions. Like the division is not the same. It's not as competitive as the NFC West. Not not even by a long shot. I'm not here for that for that conversation. I like the Seahawks. I think they're the better football team. And why people are favoring them or favoring the Packers, again, I think they're falling victim to the seeding. They're seeing two and then five. They're thinking, oh, well, this, I mean, the Seahawks don't stand a chance. And the Seahawks don't have a Devontae Adams or even an Aaron Jones. But they do have a Russell Wilson. And I think at this point, Russell Wilson is going to be looking to put a stamp on his career. What better opportunity to out to, to validate yourself than to outduel Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field, in Green Bay? I think Seattle's the better team. I think they're deeper. Um and I think I, I just like Seattle in this game. I, I like the upset. This is the one upset I'm taking this week. I think it's the safest one. If you had to pick one upset this week, this would be the game because the Seahawks are the best team amongst the underdogs, quote unquote, or the lower seeded teams, I guess we, we should say. I like Seattle in, in Green Bay this week. I think Russell Wilson makes enough plays. I think they get back to the NFC Championship game. And we'll see where things go from there. So there are your NFL postseason picks for the divisional round. And after all that, we have the crown jewel, the tip of the spear. Monday, January 13th, and don't even get me started on the date. Monday, January 13th, we have the national title game. LSU Tigers and the Clemson Tigers uh, squaring off for the national championship of college football. This is going to be some game. I mean, the stars are out in this game. Uh, We did pick... Oh, let's go to our... um, our New Year's six picks. We didn't get to those last week. So over the the we had six games, obviously being the New Year's six. None of them are on New Year's. Uh, we went five and one. So we did really really well picking New Year's six games. We had Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. That was a gimme. Oh, uh, LSU over Oklahoma. That turned out to be a gimme. I thought it would be a little bit closer. That game was that game was over after the first quarter. That game was done in a hurry. Uh, the Fiesta Bowl. That was where we tripped up a little bit. Uh, we had Ohio State over Clemson. Clemson makes a big play to seal the game. All credit to them. We're not going to take away from what Clemson did. They beat Ohio State, and I thought Ohio State was more proven than Clemson. They took care of business. So, we're, we, I mean, all credit in the world goes to Clemson. Uh, and then the Orange Bowl, we had Florida over Virginia. Another gimme. Then we had the fantastic Rose Bowl. That game was just 
it wasn't a classic, but it was a very entertaining game. That was a lot of fun to watch. In the Sugar Bowl, I didn't bother watching, but we did have Georgia, and they were able to take care of business with Baylor. So that brings our record picking college games this year to 40 and 10. We've picked 50 games this year, and we've only dropped 10 of them. That is that's outstanding, if I do say so myself. I mean, we've done a we've done a wonderful job picking college games this year. And finally, we come to an end. It ends at, it stops at 51. The last game of the season, the national title game, we will be picking just momentarily. Just a quick second. We're actually picking it right now, but you know, just trying to build up the hype a little bit. We have LSU, we have Clemson. I've been on LSU, I mean, all season long. They haven't let me down. They're undefeated. Clemson, I have not picked many of their games because they haven't played in many big games. And that's no, and again, I've said it all season long. I, I don't need any proof that Clemson is legit. They haven't played anyone, sure. They haven't had the schedule that uh, LSU has had or Ohio State. Uh, or, no, no, I was going to say Oklahoma, but that's not true. Their schedule hasn't been that bad. But they haven't played like the top teams in the nation. It's not their fault. Their conference is terrible. Okay, the ACC is just lousy. They finally get a test, a get a test, a true opponent, a worthy opponent, and they're able to take care of business against Ohio State. And I think they dominated really that second half. They like that sec- they won it in the second half, and it really they kind of showed they outplayed Ohio State. They made it known they were the better team, and that that was evidence in that second half. They they truly took control of that game. But then you look across the sideline, and you see LSU, who has beaten everyone that they've been tested with. And then they play Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. And the final score here, 63-28. to 28. And oh, by the way, they packed it up at halftime. I think they, let me look at the box score here. They only scored 14 points in the second half. <laughs> they scored two touchdowns in, this, in two quarters in the second half. That's it. And they had 63 points. They scored 21 in the first quarter, 28 in the second quarter. And then they, they, they packed it up at, at halftime. And they, they put it on cruise control. And they, they still ended up with 14, which isn't a lot. It actually is a lot for a half. But when you compare 21 and 28 to 7 and 7, it's like this kind of a uh, unbalanced there. And Oklahoma, the same thing. They weren't letting them get anything. And they gave up 14 points uh, in the second half. They, I mean, that game was done. It was over at halftime. And you still have a 63-28 to 28 final. You have Trevor Lawrence, superstar. Joe Burrow, superstar. You have Dabo Sweeney, star. Coach Ogeron, star. I mean, this is, this is a game loaded with NFL talent, big personality head coaches. This is a must-watch game. This is must-see television. The one thing that people hold against LSU now, this is the you know the era that we're living in, um, where people are questioning LSU's defense. And for I don't know how many years, for sure the entire 2010s decade, the question was, can LSU score? We know they can defend anyone, but can they put a drive together and score? Now it's the complete opposite. You know, we know they could score with anyone, but can they get a stop? Are they going to be able to stop Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne? I think they evidenced that uh, uh, last week against, or was it two weeks ago, against Oklahoma. It was two weeks ago against Oklahoma. I mean, they shut down Jalen Hurts and then off. It was done. 
Jalen Hurts had nowhere to be, nowhere to go, was constantly under duress. And Trevor Lawrence, looking on the other side, he was constantly in duress against Ohio State. And I get Ohio State has the best defensive line in the country. That's normally the case. But they were able to get after Trevor Lawrence in that first half. They were able to clean it up in the second half to the Clemson offensive line and give them enough time to just make some plays. And that's why they won that, that game because they, they did improve their play in the second half. I like LSU in this game. I mean, they've been a buzzsaw all year long. How can you pick against LSU? Did I say that I, I might have to make sure I, I I'm picking LSU to win this game. I can't remember if I said Clemson or not on accident, but I'm taking the LSU Tigers, not the Clemson Tigers. How can you pick against them? After everything you've seen all season long, they embarrass Alabama at home. They embarrass Oklahoma. They they didn't embarrass, but they beat down Florida. Um, they beat off. I mean, they've beaten everyone. They've beaten everyone. And Clemson, to their credit, as soon as they do get a team that's worthy. Uh, of their time Ohio State they take care of business and they beat them but I just can't go against LSU Joe Burrow from what I've seen and any reservations that you may have had that should have been put to bed after what we all saw against Oklahoma and again Oklahoma is not Clemson by any stretch and I said they probably didn't deserve or they probably weren't amongst the four best teams in the nation but they did deserve to get in there because they were able to, they were a conference champion and they had one loss. That's that's what the criteria is for getting into the playoff. Doesn't matter. I mean, it's about if you're a one loss team and you win your conference, you're getting in. Were they better than Georgia? Were they better than Oregon? I don't know. I can't say that definitively, but they took care of business and they got in. So I understand Oklahoma is nowhere near the same caliber as Clemson. But Ellis, it wasn't even a close game. This wasn't a 14-point game. This wasn't a three-touchdown game, 17-point. No, LSU ran them out of the building. I mean, this game was an embarrassment. I like LSU to win the national title game. And I love Clemson. I love Trevor Lawrence. I think LSU this year is just too much for everybody. I mean, they've been steamrolling just every single day. They're not just winning games. That's my point. They're playing all these great teams, and they're not just winning. That would be one thing if they were just beating everyone by a touchdown, three points, you know, ten points, whatever. No, they're they're embarrassing the best teams in the country. I don't, I, and I'm not sitting up here and saying they're going to blow out Clemson and it's going to be a you know, you know, a blowout and they're going to run them out of the building. But from what I've seen, I think they are equipped to handle Clemson. I think this will be a comfortable victory for LSU. I think they get it done. I hope they get it done because I like uh, Coach Ogeron, and more than that, I like to be right. And now time to close out the show. We have the quote of the week. We do this at the end of the show just about every single week. We find the best quote that I saw from the previous week, and we put it in at the end of the show. We call it the quote of the week. So here we go. And again, this this wasn't actually said, but it was brought up. So that's what makes it interesting. And here's you'll, you'll see right now. Quote, tell LeBron to stop being scared to guard me. Kawhi Leonard, sort of, but not really. Actually, it was not Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard was credited with saying this, but did not actually say it. And I don't have definitive proof. I don't have a direct line to Kawhi Leonard. I don't know if anyone has a direct line to Kawhi Leonard, but I'm willing to bet he did not say this. Uh, on first take, Stephen A. Smith, with all with all of his sources and knowledge and um, exaggerations, 
says here that he has a source that tells him that Kawhi told him to tell LeBron to stop. This is the, it's like a game of telephone. You had Kawhi telling the source to tell Stephen A. Smith to tell LeBron. So that should be your first red flag right there. The game of telephone. Tell LeBron to stop being scared to guard me. That's what technically Kawhi told a source who told Stephen A. Smith, who told First Take, who then told uh, LeBron James. That This quote, tell LeBron to stop being scared to guard me. Okay. He says on First Take, I had a source that told me this. Fine. Okay. So the internet kind of goes a little, not insane, but NBA Twitter thought this was, you know, interesting. Obviously, you have anyone calling out LeBron. That's news. You have another superstar calling out LeBron. Okay, that's the story. This this was this was not true. And that day, that same day, Lou Williams, who's I mean, we all we love Sweet Lou Hill. We love Sweet Lou here. Um, great player. Still to this day, one of the smoothest scores in the game of basketball. He goes out and tweets the cap emoji, and for my older audience, that means false, not true. Um says not true, not true at all via just an emoji of a cap. Again, you know, I just explained that for the boomer audience. No offense. Um, and I take Lou Will's word for it. And here's why. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard. We're not talking about Jimmy Butler or Joel Embiid or Russell Westbrook, like the premier trash talkers. The instigators in the game. We're talking about Kawhi Leonard. And how quickly we all forget. The story that came out last year about Kawhi in San Diego State. All of his college teammates said when he would talk trash, it was just awkward. Because he would, when he would guard you, he would just say no. Like he would guard you, block your shot, and then just say no. And when he would score on you, he would just say bucket. And when you get a rebound, he would say board man. <laughs> like, have we forgotten about who Kawhi Leonard is? Like what his nature is? Have we forgotten what makes Kawhi Leonard so special? Yes, he's a, I mean, top three player in in the world. We know that because he does it on offense and defense. Quote, you know, put making quotations here, a throwback kind of player. But what makes Kawhi Leonard unique, what makes him special is his lack of talking. That's what interests us because he's almost a mysterious character. He's not outspoken. He's not brash. He doesn't wear the, the you know the the crazy outfits to pregame, which I don't have a problem with. But you know you get what I'm saying. Like he comes in in like jeans and a New Balance T-shirt and headphones. He doesn't come in in like the you know the crossing guard outfit. Like and again, no disrespect to you know the the high fashion dressers of the league. I think that's great too. But what that's what makes Kawhi Leonard unique is that he is so much different from all these guys. So why now are we suddenly believing that Kawhi Leonard? is calling out LeBron James. Like he's and not even just calling him like talking trash. Tell me to stop being scared to guard me. That doesn't even sound like anything remotely Kawhi Leonard. I don't believe he said anything near this. I think someone with within the Clippers organization said this. I think someone in the front office or the higher ups said, hey, tell LeBron to stop being scared to guard Kawhi. And this source maybe told Stephen A that or maybe kind of exaggerate a little bit and then Stephen A. Smith ran with it because this is this is kind of clickbait and that's kind of what we've come to expect from First Take and Stephen A. Smith at this point with all due respect that's kind of what the show is built on is 
you know, shock value and, you know, just watch 45 seconds of first take. You won't even be able to hear your own thoughts. There's so much screaming going, going on. That's part of their shtick. That's, that's what they do. And I think, and again, maybe this is what Stephen A. Smith was told. But that also could just be the source trying to, you know, stretch the truth a little bit. I don't buy into this whatsoever. But I thought it was interesting and I had to get this out there because this is, this is anti-Kawhi Leonard. This is exactly what he does not do. But I do believe there, there is some level of truth to this in the sense that I think someone within the Clippers said this. I don't think it's coming straight from the mouth of Kawhi Leonard. That I do not buy into whatsoever. I do think someone within the Clippers said this and the source ran with it or Stephen A. Smith ran with it. And with it, whatever the case may be, here we are. I think it's false. I do not think Kawhi Leonard said that. And so I think it's interesting that it made it to mainstream media and it kind of blew up for something that he never said. And he's also, and here's why I also believe this. He's also so non-hyperverbal. He won't even go out and say, no, I didn't say that. Like he'll just ignore it. He won't even put to rest these rumors. Like that's how little he provides the media, which is fine. And I actually love it. I, what a breath of fresh air. I'll take Kawhi Leonard over Mr. Big Chest in the media. I mean, 11 times out of 10. I love, like, that's how, that's how little he provides. Like, he won't even put these rumors to, to bed. He just won't even acknowledge it. That's how little he provides. So if he's not even going to do that, what makes you believe he actually said this about LeBron or to LeBron indirectly? So that's going to take us to the end of this week's Crowd Noise episode. Um, glad to be back, guys. Glad to have all of you uh, back. Uh, enjoy the playoff games this weekend. Enjoy the national championship. Uh, that'll be tons of fun. I will most certainly be watching that game. Um, I'll talk to you guys next week.